Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Run. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Recorded live. All right, hey guys. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of Secrets of the Eco Stones and Nazca Lines again. Uh, but this time, I think I'm just going to go ahead and skip to the last chapter. It just It's very concise and uh, just a good s- summarization of things. So anyway, the last chapter is called The Final Witness. It says, uh, critics have raised the objection that in order for the stones to be scientifically validated, that an on-site examination of the stones be conducted at the Cabrera Museum. I took the critics' challenge as a gauntlet with a gift in it. If tests on the stones further prove their authenticity, then the skeptics would have painted themselves into a corner of having to accept their legitimacy. Dr. Andres Zurov, a Russian with a Ph.D. in Andean archaeology from Moscow State University, and Don Frazier, a computer technological expert from San Jose, California, joined the team. I contacted Eugenia Cabrera, the daughter of Dr. Javier Cabrera, and explained the nature of our scientific inquiry. She agreed to such an examination on, on the condition that several people be present during the tests to protect the integrity of the museum. Dr. Ricardo Jokamowicz, the director of the Cabrera Museum Association, agreed to assemble a group to be eyewitnesses to the scientific analysis. Marcel Rosas of Nazca, Peru, a skeptic of the Stones, agreed to participate with other skeptics and debunkers. We negotiated a test that all sides felt was fair and reasonable. Each person would randomly select five stones from the collection to be tested. The skeptics could select stones that they were sure were obvious fakes, and believers in the stones could select any stones that they would like for examination. Neutral people could also select five stones at random. I brought with me a portable USB digital digital microscope that is used by forensic laboratories and police crime labs. The device looks like something out of a science fiction movie and is so high-tech that it has been featured on the popular television series on crime investigation, CSI Miami. The digital microscope resembles a miniature hairdryer, but its looks are deceptive because it magnifies from 10 times to 200 times. At 200 times, you can see sweat coming out of skin pores, and a human hair looks like a redwood tree. The microscope connects to a laptop computer by which you snap still photos of each object as well as compiling the images on a camcorder. The photos are all stored on the laptop for further review or to transfer the images for future analysis. The USB digital microscope is like something out of a James Bond movie, but it exists in reality and would prove to be a marvelous device to help solve the antiquity of the ecostones. On April 28, 2004, outside the Cabrera Museum, an entourage of skeptics, believers, and neutral observers gathered waiting for Eugenia to open her father's museum. The look on the gigantic Spanish wooden door looked like a lock on a pirate treasure chest. It was the size of a baseball and gold-plated. 
It squeaked as Eugenia turned the key and the door creaked with an eerie sound as it slowly opened. It was like stepping into an Egyptian tomb as a thin layer of dust covered the museum. The police department dispatched police officers to oversee the event and make sure none of the stones were stolen. I laid out the microscopic equipment and arsenal of other scientific apparatus on Cabrera's desk and sat ensconced in his huge leather chair. The stones randomly selected were placed on the desk three to five stones at a time. Dr. Andre Zurov handed each one to me as I ran the proscope over them to magnify every inch of the stone surface, snapping still photos and capturing images on the camcorder. Behind me, with ever-watchful eyes like eagles marking their prey, hovered Eugenia, Dr. Jokomowitz, and Marcel. The scientific examinations went on for most of the day with a sampling of 40 stones. All sides indicated that they were satisfied that the tests were scientific, accurate, and fair. Some of the results of the tests were immediate and conclusive. The charge had been leveled that the stones were falsifications because you could see pencil marks or blue outlines where the artist had traced the image on the stone before carving. None of the stones had any pencil marks or blue residue from some drawing device. If they were modern, it seems in all probability that the artist in cutting out the images on the stone would have slipped and deviated slightly, leaving telltale residue behind in the form of ink or lead. Another lethal accusation is that the Cabrera collection of stones was carved by rotary powder tools or by using hacksaws or ceramic saws. A Dremel drill or rotary-powered dental tool will leave a contoured groove and cause chips, flakes, and cracks along the edge of the groove. The use of a rotary power tool also leaves, quote, whirr marks and swirl fissures in the grooves with the possibility of small pieces of metal being left behind. While these signature marks are not visible to the human eye, they show up clearly and unmistakably under the microscope. The verdict was that the Cabrera stones examined were not carved by rotary-powered tools. It is a known fact that Basilio carved his stones with both dental drills and hacksaws. The teeth of a hacksaw bite into the stone, pitting the grooves and breaking off small pieces of the stone along the saw line. When an andesite stone is freshly carved, the groove has a high, bright white color, and the breaking of the stone's patina surface exposes mica and feldspar. The assortment of stones from the Cabrera collection under the microscope showed no evidence of pitting, fissuring, or chipping of the stone by a hacksaw blade or metal saw. The grooves etched into the stones were consistent in contour, depth, and cutting as with other engraved stones found in official archaeological excavations. Under magnification, mica and feldspar will shine back like the flash of a diamond in sunlight. The stones were examined under different magnifications and under the microscope's high beam. No freshly exposed mica or feldspar was detected. The minerals had been covered over with a layer of patina indicating a degree of antiquity. When a metal blade is used to cut into or carve rock, it leaves behind minute flecks of metal invisible to the human eye. When Basilio's fake stones were microscopically examined, there was the common discovery of these minute metal flakes embedded in the stone or on the surface of the stone. 
not one of the Cabrera stones examined were found to be with these metal flecks. The conclusion is that they were not carved by metal saws in modern times. The stones had a consistent pattern of concentrated patina covering them. The surface patina extends into the grooves and images. The naturally formed patina is exactly like that found on other pre-Columbian burial archaeological artifacts. The stones are authentic based on the accumulation of patina and varnish. Varnish patina from biological sources and remains of old patina. The lowest, quote, rock varnish is produced by algae or bacteria. Above that is a coating of ancient patina. Above that is another layer, a thin film of dust coating. The most serious problem a forger faces is engraving an image on a surface on which there is rock varnish and ancient patina in that the forger will cut through those two strata in making incisions. The fresh cuts of the incisions through the surface coating breaks the natural patina. It is a virtual impossibility for the forger to engrave the stone and then conceal the breakage of the patina and rock varnish coatings so as to not be detected. It is considered by all authorities to be a complete impossibility for the forger to create an ancient-looking patina that could fool an expert. The imitation or fake patina to, quote, camouflage the forging is of a different color, texture, and consistency than the real patina and the rest of the stone. Basilio stones have an amateurish imitation patina of water and clay mixed with sand or a manure and mud mixture baked onto the stone. These novice attempts to mask a forgery are quickly unmasked because you can take the fake patina off with a cloth or with your fingers. Real patina is part of the stone. The Cabrera stones have real patina covering the surface of the artifacts extending into the grooves and images. Some of the stones had lichen colonies growing in the incisions of the images and thus must have taken hundreds of years for the lichen colonies to grow. Laboratory analysis of the lichens revealed that they were of the Xanthoparmelia variety. I rem reminded that critics of the stones in the 60s and 70s issued scathing denunciations of the dinosaur images as cartoonish, amateurish, and fantastic beyond credibility. The critics said dinosaurs did not walk with their tails sticking out, stand upright on their hind legs, have bumpy nodules on their skin, or have funny frilled fish fins on the back of their heads running down the ridge of the dinosaurs' backs. Later discoveries would prove that the critics were wrong and the stones right. Paleontology in the 1990s finally caught up with what the pre-Columbians saw on dinosaurs. The dinosaur features on the stones are now acknowledged as scientifically correct. The current batch of critics is claiming the stones can't be real because they are just too amazingly anatomically correct. They were fake? How in the world could uneducated peasants in the desert painstakingly carve dinosaurs on stones in the 1940s and 60s that would predate paleontologists' scientific understanding of what dinosaurs look like by decades? Other embarrassing enigmas have surfaced that are delivering death blows to evolutionist dogma that dinosaurs met their demise 65 million years ago. The discovery of blood cells in T-Rex bones is a pedestal-smashing blow for the evolutionist flimsy timeline of millions of years. A report of these findings stated the following, quote, 
A thin slice of T-Rex bone glowed amber beneath the lens of my microscope. The lab filled with murmurs of amazement, for I had focused on something inside the vessels that none of us had ever noticed before. Tiny red objects, translucent red with a dark center, red blood cells. The shape and location suggested them, but blood cells are mostly water and couldn't possibly have stayed preserved in the 65-million-year-old Tyrannosaur. It would be impossible that these bones were millions of years old, for the blood cells and hemoglobin would have totally disintegrated. The bones are fresh because they are a few thousand years old, and unfossilized duck-billed dinosaur bones have been found on the North Slope in Alaska. There is no conceivable way that they could have remained frozen for millions of years in the Arctic tundra and not have disintegrated because they are unmineralized. Even more startling and destructive to the erroneous assertion that dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago is the recent discovery of unfossilized soft tissue and complete blood vessels in a T-Rex bone. The flexible, stretchy, soft, fibrous tissue is visible to the naked eye. Dr. Mary Schweitzer asked the obvious question, quote, how could these cells last for 65 million years? The even more obvious scientific answer is that they could not possibly be 65 million years old, for soft tissue could only survive for a few thousand years at best. Certainly, this discovery of dinosaur soft tissue is a stunning rebuttal of millions of years. The evolutionary timeline has mammals evolving from reptiles. Recent finds, however, in China, not only contradict that timeline, but demonstrate that large mammals ate dinosaurs. A report in Nature from Yao Ming Hu documented that a mammal fossil was fully intact and had a dinosaur in its stomach. Quote, During preparation of the specimen, a patch of small bones was revealed within the ribcage on the ventral sides of the posterior left ribs and vertebrae, where there is position in extant mammals. Although fragmentary, the bones of the Psittacocarus are packed in a restricted area. These conditions indicate that the juvenile skeleton of Psittacocarus is the remaining stomach contents of the mammal. Huge mammals eating juvenile dinosaurs is such weighty evidence that evolution's tower of time is starting to topple. Samuel Hubbard led the Doheny expedition to the American Southwest in 1924 and made a discovery that evolutionists have tried to ignore because it would chop off the legs on their Tower of Time. A.H. Verrill gave this account of Hubbard's find, quote, Another highly important feature of Dr. Hubbard's report is the discovery of fossil footprints of both the three-toed carnivorous dinosaurs and the imperial elephants in the same locality. If, as it appears, both of these creatures left their footprints in the river sand or mud at approximately the same period, then we must assume the dinosaurs continued to survive for millions of years later than scientists would have us believe, or else that the imperial elephants appeared on Earth millions of years before they are supposed to have arrived. But it seems highly preposterous and entirely contrary to all known laws of evolution to assume these highly developed pachyderms were inhabiting the Earth long ages before more primitive types of mammals. Mammals, elephants, and man coexisting with dinosaurs? That's what the evidence says, but evolutionists still attempt to hang on to their tower of time, propping it up with academic goofy dust. There are plenty of problems that are beginning to panic the paleontologists. 
In the rugged remote mountains of southeastern Turkmenistan, dinosaur, mammal, goat, and human tracks appear together in the Jurassic layer of rock. Near the village of Kaja Pil Atta is a plateau with over 3,000 dinosaur footprints. It is on this dinosaur plateau that human footprints were first noted in Moscow News, 1983, number 24, page 11. The article mentions the discovery of dinosaur and human footprints together and concluded with this astonishing statement, quote, Who knows, but maybe our very far-removed ancestors did mingle with dinosaurs. Turkmenistan scientist Kurban Amaniyazov led three expeditions to the dinosaur plateau and found human footprints alongside dinosaur tracks. In one football field-sized area are 1,253 dinosaur tracks of 65 different species. The smallest three-toed dinosaur tracks are 7, 8 inches long, while the largest footprint of a megalosaur is 28 inches long. This is the lar- that is the largest ever discovered from the Jurassic. Professor Plutolov, a member of the Turkmenistan expedition, made a map of the dinosaur trackways. There are 31 trackways. The longest dinosaur trackways in the world are on the plateau, including number 21 at 1,020 feet, the longest in the world. Dr. Amaniyazov was shocked beyond belief to find human footprints mingled with dinosaurs. He discusses one of the footprints and says, quote, If we speak about the human footprint, it was made by a human or a human-like animal. Incredibly, this footprint is on the same plateau where there are dinosaur tracks. We can say the age of this footprint is not 5 or 10, but at least 150 million years old. It is 26 centimeters long. That is Russian size 43 EEE, or 9.5 American. And we consider that whoever left the footprint was taller than we are. This would create a revolution in the science of man. Humanity would, quote, grow older by 30-fold. Russian journalist Alexander Bushev reported in the January 31, 1995 edition of Cosmomolskia Pravda his investigation into the fossilized prints of dinosaurs and humans together. This, he says, is a direct contradiction of evolutionary theory. Dinosaurs were supposed to be extinct long before humans appeared on the Earth. Bushev said that every meter of the half-kilometer-wide rock surface was covered by three-toed footprints made by giant dinosaurs making their morning or evening promenade along the ancient seashore. Bushev wrote, quote, But the most mysterious fact is that among the footprints of dinosaurs, footprints of bare human feet were found. Bushev suggested that because, quote, We know that humans appeared much later than dinosaurs that there was an extraterrestrial who walked in his swimming suit along the seaside. The fact that dinosaur and human footprints were found together proves they coexisted and condenses time to a few thousand years as presented by creationists. This author received permission to investigate the Kaotang Tao dinosaur site in Turkmenistan. Only myself and a team of scientists from the Russian and Turkmenistan academic academies of science were allowed on the site. Professor Halmod Kudaj Kulijev showed me a new discovery of mammal tracks with the dinosaurs and the clear evidence of dinosaur and human footprints together at two different locations. Impossible, shouted evolutionists. Mammals were not with the dinosaurs, but one year later in 2001, the Chinese found a small mouse-like creature designated as 
hadrocodium in the Lufen deposits of Yunnan province. The leading expert on dinosaur tracks saw the human tracks with dinosaurs and said, I can't dismiss it. I know it to be true, but it destroys evolutionary theory. If I talk about the discovery, it would end my career. Another puzzling oddity are fossilized goat tracks crossing dinosaur tracks on the plateau. The goat tracks are of the spiral horn species, rare but still inhabiting the Kuatang Mountains of Turkmenistan. The fossilized goat tracks are surrounded by three-toed dinosaur tracks of an unknown species. If that wasn't enough to splinter asunder evolutionist Tower of Time, in nearby Uzbekistan, 86 consecutive horse footprints were found alongside alleged 90 to 100 million year old dinosaur tracks. The scientists in Uzbekistan that I talked with agreed that dinosaurs and horses must have lived together. There is the proof captured in rock. The Ica stones are not the only stones to be found with dinosaurs on them. Russian scientists evacuating on the lower or excavating on the lower part of the Yaninsky River in the Minusinsk Abakan Basin unearthed stones with encaustic paintings on them. The scientists believe these cultural remains to be at least 30,000 years old. The paintings are remarkably similar with the encaustic paintings on rocks found in South America. Easter Island, Oranga, cultural center location. One of the things that is mystifying to the Russian scientists are paintings of different human races, mongoloid, white, Indian, and Negro, and various animals, lion, tiger, chimpanzee, parrot, dinosaur, etc. As the curtain falls on the stage of evolutionism's fantasy production that dinosaurs and man did not live together, in the theater of my imagination I can see Johnny Carson poking his head from behind the cart curtain and saying to the evolutionists, You're wrong, brontosaurus breath. The evidence, as we have seen, completely contradicts evolutionary theory. We have scientific proof of Ica stones having been found in tombs with dinosaurs carved on them. We have scientific evidence of pre-Columbian pottery pieces and textiles with dinosaurs on them. We have scientific evidence of dinosaur petroglyphs etched on canyon walls by Anasazi Indians hundreds of years ago. We have scientific proof of dinosaur and human footprints together in Turkmenistan from the Jurassic. We have solid scientific evidence of elephant prints and dinosaur prints in the same Cretaceous formation. We have scientific evidence of large mammals eating juvenile dinosaurs. We have the evidence of red blood cells and tissue in T-Rex bones. We have substantial evidence. Recent archaeological discoveries in Peru are tangible touchstones for grasping the significance of man and dinosaurs living together. I remember being immersed in this Andean genesis one morning just before sunset as I gazed down into a hole broken into a Nazcan tomb. The red glow of the sunset burst behind me like a spotlight, shooting rays of streaking light towards the distant desert hills. As I stared into the hole, a shaft of cylindrical light, shimmering with the dust of the desert, shot through the hole. The shaft, like an arc light on an old vaudeville stage, brightly illuminated a single Ica stone at the bottom of the tomb. There on the stone, staring back at me, was a dinosaur. I froze, transfixed by this apparition from the past, for my eyes were locked on the eyes of the dinosaur. The dinosaur was carved on the stone, preserved in andesite, and housed in a tomb like a prehistoric insect wrapped, trapped in crystalline amber. 
what this image revealed to me was that evolutionism's geologic column and fine-tuned intellectual tower of time with its yawning gap of 65 million years between dinosaurs and man was merely a myth. In fact, the only place the tower of time existed was in the mind of the evolutionist. Uh, all right. So that's the last chapter of uh, Secrets of the Ecostones and Nazca Lines. I would highly recommend this book. Uh, it's pretty short, but uh, very concise, very uh, detailed, scientific, extremely good um, deduction, not a lot of inductive fallacies therein. I would highly recommend it. It is by uh, Dennis Swift, and I think I'm going to end it there. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 